thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to the Blossom Your Awesome podcast, episode number five. I am your host, Sue Dillon. Have a very special show for you today. We have the lovely Issa Gushardi. I am so honored and delighted to have her here. She is the founding director of the Sacred Stream School for Consciousness in Berkeley. Issa is a writer, author, speaker. She is the creator of Depth Hypnosis, which is a groundbreaking therapeutic model for hypnotherapy. And she has a new book coming out, Return to the Great Mother. We are going to be talking to her about that, among other things. So welcome, Issa. Thank you so much for being here. I am so honored to have you here with me today. So now tell me, um, I guess we can jump right into your new book. Can you talk to me about this and how this um, came about? Oh, that is a long and winding road. (laughs) (laughs) I think all books are a long and winding road. That is what I have found. (laughs) But this, um, this book is a second edition of the Return to the Great Mother, which was published in 2013. And at the time, you know, I was, I was speaking at a lot of midwifery conferences and working with a lot of doulas and birth professionals and realizing, you know, people have just not totally understood the power of the Great Feminine. And this was actually a, a point of interest for me um, and had been since the late 70s and early 80s when I was living in a community that was modeling itself on the farm in many ways. Within the farm is a community that was very radical in, in the 70s and, and it was established by Ina Gaskin and it was a place where there was this reclamation of the power of the feminine and the birthing process and the and the advocacy of home birthing and um, moving away from the medicalization of birth that had become it was becoming more and more the norm and at the time I was very radical and well it, I didn't it was not that radical I mean we were just saying how about having a non-medicalized birth if it's not necessary <laughs> you know you know and how about considering having women give birth in environments where they feel at home and, and comfortable. And, you know, and at the time that was radical. That has become much less radical now. And there was really a lot of pushback uh, from the medical community. And we did feel that we were, you know, put in a place where we had to fight. And I thought we had fought the good fight. You know, I thought that we had really, you know, you know, certainly I gave birth during those years and, you know, we all um, helped each other give birth and in, in alternative ways and in hospitals, you know, and we, you know, we were really, you know, reclaiming something. And so in the, you know, late 90s, uh, early 2000s, I have a bunch of students, a bunch of uh, clients, a bunch of people who are coming to me for assistance in trying to understand the ways in which people were losing power in the birthing community and you know people who had you know been you know had been advocating for instance in the hospitals where they worked 
their jobs and that sort of thing and trying they were trying to deal with that and I was really just amazed at how we had really not made the strides that I thought we had made and so I decided to start teaching classes for birthing mothers and their and their partners and families and for doulas midwives other birth professionals um, to help them understand better the nature of the power of the great feminine and so I started teaching classes uh, two classes one was called tracking spirit in the birth environment which was about keeping the birthing environment clear of interference and power filled with the power of the great mother and a second class called the initiations of the sacred feminine which was about understanding how the birth birthing process is just one of many important uh, spiritual steps that our bodies our biology actually leads us through and it is very important how we meet these important initiatory moments and especially in terms of you know our own birth our own puberty our relationship to our menstruation our uh, first encounter and our continuous encounters with sexuality because they all inform how well we can meet the initiation of birth. And this is, you know, I always talk about birth as sort of like the midterm exam, and then there's menopause and death, which is the final exam about how well we have learned, you know, what our biology has to teach us. So I started teaching these two classes and then realized we need to have a book about this because I was busy you know, making hundreds and hundreds of copies of these birthing conferences of the, this meditation called uh, The Encounter with the Great Mother to help people, it's a hypnotherapeutic process to help people connect with the power of the Great Mother. And I was just passing them out, trying to help all of these doulas and midwives and nurses and doctors try to empower the people they were working with. And so I, I created that first book almost... It was almost like a, uh, you know, a, a glorified brochure that I saw people putting out in waiting rooms and gynecologist offices. You know, it was my great vision, and and it, it was really not that. It it was a great book, and we've had a huge amount of acclaim, and lots and lots of people have sent us lots and lots of messages about how much it has changed their lives. But I really always felt that we needed to have a more robust book and you know things have been very busy here at the sacred stream and i've just now gotten back to re reissuing this book with more information and um with more um especially more information about the initiatory process and also it has some uh, uh, uh exercises that people can do to try to understand where they are with their own particular biological initiations on their spiritual path. So there's a big long answer for you. <laughs> no, that was great. That was really, I mean, that actually really breaks it down. Now, you know, my question for you, like, as a woman who, you know, is at any stage in life beyond giving birth, kind of approaching menopause, I mean, how, um, help me just kind of share that with women who may feel lost and kind of tapping into like the divinity of the great mother. 
what is a way to kind of think of that or, um, you know, just spiritually? You mean outside of the encounter in the birthing environment? Yeah, just like, like the... How do, how do we hold the power of the Great Mother even outside of the birthing environment? Yeah, yeah, even outside of that, just as women, you know, like for all the different stages, just if we're, sure. this is foreign to us. Yeah, I forget that. <laughs> <laughs> to 
integrate experience which may be difficult to integrate in the rushing pace of everyday life and so that that would be my first my first you know advice is to return to your body to begin to recognize what your body is and to begin to make peace with your body wow um that's really beautiful i've never kind of heard it um you know, it's kind of so simple. I think it's part of what we just do in general in life. We're always kind of resisting. So it's kind of that just acceptance and uh, allowing it to kind of just things to happen and uh, welcoming them essentially is what you're saying. Exactly. Becoming a student. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That was beautiful. Um, now, you know, I have... Um, a question for you. I'm so interested in your path and how you've just had this really remarkable life. You speak, you're, you know, polyglot. I think you speak five languages, right? And um, you've yeah. lived all over the world. You set up this, you know, the foundation of the sacred stream. You founded that, you direct that. And um, so my question for you is, is like, was there a moment where, you know, at some stage in life where it was like you had some kind of epiphany or is, you know, what is it? Like, is it just divine guidance um, for you to be kind of on this just beautiful, light-filled trajectory and wanting to share these insights and wisdoms and being so eloquent and insightful? Where does that come from? I, you know, interestingly, you know, I, I, I actually come from a very, if, you know, if you read the uh, introduction to my book, Coming to Peace, which is another book that I've written, I talk a little bit about my childhood, which was very fraught. It was uh, very uh, filled with a lot of danger and violence. And, um, and, you know, it's interesting that it was in that crucible that I really became very aware of the beauty of the earth. I lived in Hawaii uh, when I was young in my formative years. And of course, the power of the beauty of the land and the flowers and the sea and the winds and the mountains was just so present. And because things in the human realm were a bit dicey, I was always taking refuge in nature. I spent most of my time outside on the beach or, you know, in the gardens, uh, you know, any garden I could find that would, you know, I could go and find a mango tree to sit in its roots and eat mangoes. That was my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, it was there that very clearly the power of the earth, you know, presented itself to me. And, and, you know, it was really in my effort to stay close to that power and that beauty that I felt and that solace and that peace that I felt um, being in the, in the bosom of nature that really led me. And so, so it was always like a guiding star for me. You know, it was always the thing that I sought out, the thing that I tried to understand. You know, I became an herbalist very young. Uh, you know, I wanted to understand, you know, this, the medicinal qualities of these plants and how, how traditional peoples had worked with them. 
And, you know, the interesting thing is I did travel around a lot as a child. And interestingly, we wound up in cultures where there were still indigenous people living side by side with modern people. And I was always the one who was heading out, you know, climbing over the wall, going out. Inside, I was in Saudi Arabia where I lived. Um, you know, there was all of these expat communities where people would go and have movies and things like that. And I was like, I want to go out into the desert. <laughs> you know, I want to see what's going on in the desert. <laughs> and it was interesting. There's a story. I don't, I don't know if I tell it in the coming to peace introduction. I don't think I do. But there was, um, it was insane. We lived in the middle of the desert. This is before Riyadh became the city that it is there was a it was there was a airport and there was one paved road which led into Riyadh which was a series of souks or bazaars that was it so we had this big kind of huge house in the middle of the nowhere that had a lawn and a swimming pool it was wild it was so surreal and the the yard we had a yard person who would cut the yard cut the cut the grass and then throw it over the wall and I waited every week for him to do that because when he would do that the Bedouins who lived in the desert around us they all had tents all around us but they you know they'd go by with their tents and their camels and but they they uh, brought their goats to eat the grass so I was ready. The minute he dumped that grass, I was out the wall, and I was waiting for them to come <laughs> because I wanted to meet them and talk to them, and you know, and they would show me how they worked, how the, you know the kind of you know, they would invite me, and the girls would invite me, and we would, you know, they would show me the different plants that they had found in the desert, you know, and you know, they would show me this incense that they would burn and how they would purify, you know, their their robes with it, you know, it was. It was just like the most fun ever, you know, and um, so, and that it was like that in other cultures where I lived as well, you know, I could give you lots of stories about different cultures where I had this exposure to the cultures who were still close to the earth in the way that they thought about things, where they still considered that the natural processes were, were life-giving and important to them not something that was to be dominated or, or overrun. Wow. So that's where it um, kind of, it sounds like where it all started, but just um, the opening really, right? This gateway for infinite possibilities. Yeah, you just defined nature. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, and you just, it seems, you know, it's kind of like it's so fortunate and not by chance. I don't really believe in coincidences, right? I think everything happens for a reason. It's like for you to have had that upbringing that just exposed you to so many different things. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel, I feel like it's, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think anything is an accident. And I think that, you know, I think that if I had not had, the difficulties that I had had within my family, I would not have sought elsewhere for, for understanding. And I'm really grateful for that because I really feel that, you know, you know, I, I, I teach classes in, in shamanism and applied shamanism. And of course, 
shamanism is the study of the unseen power of the earth and that is something that I have been in connection with since a very young age and I also teach classes in in Buddhist psychology and of course in death hypnosis which is you know a combination of those two wisdom systems kind of made into a process for modern people to be able to heal the trauma of being separated from their authentic nature and from nature in general. And, um, you know, those two wisdom systems, when combined the way that they are in death hypnosis, provide a pathway back to people, you know, people find their way home, you know, and, you know, my whole quest, my whole life was to find my way home, <laughs> you know, so, right. I, you know, and so, and I feel like I found my way home and, I, you know, I mean, I still have further to go, obviously. I, I, you know, I don't think that's ever something that you can ever take for granted. There's always more layers to understand. But I think, but in that process, I have figured out how to help other people find their way home in their own way, on their own terms, in, through their own experience, which is completely unique to them. Wow. Now, you know, on this topic, the depth hypnosis, your I know it's a very unique, it's kind of your own process. And like you said, you've integrated the shamanism into it. And, um, you know, I was watching you speaking online uh, in an interview where you were saying people kind of innately have a deep knowing within themselves, right? So can you um, kind of talk a little bit about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right question. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, in Buddhism, there's this concept called Buddha nature, mm-hmm. and um, this is a this is a concept which is quite foreign to many Westerners because um, Buddha nature is it states that at the heart of all being is this wisdom, this compassion, this connection to, to happiness, to bliss, to, to loving kindness, to, to um, a sense of equanimity that um, is unassailable, that it doesn't matter what kind of environment you're in or what kind of experience you have, this part of yourself cannot be damaged. But what can happen is uh, that you can have many experiences which block your awareness of that uh, innate sense. And in shamanism, there's this understanding that at the heart of all natural phenomenon is this order and this beauty and this power. And, you know, this is often called a core power. And again, you know, there's much that can happen in the affairs of humans that can take people away from that understanding. And, and so I do believe that, you know, in death hypnosis, we start with the idea that everyone has this essence. And in death hypnosis, we call it the part of yourself that has only your highest good as its sole intent. And what we try to do at the very beginning of the process is we 
help people establish a relationship with that part through a hypnotherapeutic process. And then the rest of the work that we do to help people heal from all of the different types of traumas that they've had that have led them away from that part of themselves, um, it, then we, that part that has only the highest good as its sole intent guides that person through all of the different experiences of that have taken them away and helps them heal and helps them reconfigure themselves so that they can create space within themselves and vision within themselves to become aware of this part of themselves all the time. And this actually is what heals, is this connection with you know the greater, ever greater, ever deepening experience. And I emphasize the word experience. This is not a belief system. It's an experience system where you begin to understand that, yes, I do have this support within myself. And yes, I can begin to truly trust it if I just allow myself to go into all of the different traumas and difficulties I've had that have taken me away from them and change my relationship to them so that the beauty of this part of myself can shine through. Wow, that is beautiful. Um, now, do you find that people who are have had more trauma are... Um, more kind of apt to the philosophy, more, you know, apt to receive it? Or or is it just human nature to be more closed off, more guarded out of fear? Well, I think that I think that one of the things that really encourages people to look for this is the pain that they're in. You know, unfortunately, or, you know, interestingly, um, that when people are just really in a lot of pain, they are willing to try things that they might not have tried before. And, um, and you know, that, that pain can take a lot of different manifestations. Like, you know, a lot of people who are find themselves caught in addiction, they often don't look for help until the, until the addiction has become greater than they have, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's that same idea. It's, you know, people are really trying to understand you know, why they feel as badly as they do. When, why do I feel so depressed? What, where is this depression coming from? How did this become part of my life? You know, like, so you begin to make that inquiry. You know, how did this start happening? And then that is the, that, that, you know, when you're in enough pain, no matter how much fear you have, you're willing to kind of put your foot in a new kind of, Cool to see if the water might actually not be as cold as you thought it was, <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. Wow, that is so beautiful. Now, you know, last question for you here. Um, coming to peace. For people, we all have conflict. And I know you, you know, kind of share that it's, um, it's a teacher to kind of, you know, help us realize, come into balance and uh, find like peace and joy. So for someone who's at this, uh, point in life, what would just be some kind of insights to kind of get them moving into peace? Well, you know, one of the key concepts, um, in, uh, the coming to peace process is 
which is a conflict resolution process that is adapted, again, from Buddhist philosophy and indigenous wisdom systems to help create an environment where people can speak their truth when they find themselves in conflict, where they can connect with their inner wisdom to help them guide them through the resolution of the discussion in the discussions of the conflict with others, where people can learn what it means to be patient and tolerant and allow other people's experience to be as equal as their own. You know, these are the tenets of coming to peace. And so, you know, it offers, the actual process is quite simple, but it offers a container for anyone who's experiencing conflict with a community member, a family member, anyone in their, in their world. And there is another aspect to coming to peace, which is very important that anyone can engage in even without the participation of people that they may be in conflict with, because this is the issue with conflict. You may want to bring someone to the table to talk through something, but they may not want to do that. And then you're left sort of like, what do I do? I'm caught in this conflict, you know, and then you have all of this internal experience that keeps you in turmoil. And so inner coming to peace addresses that. It shows you the ways in which your own internal experience may be driving the external conflict that you are engaged in with others. And it provides you with a method of resolving that internal conflict so that you can step out of the dynamics of the conflict that you have with the person externally without even having to have them participate. And, um, and I think this is something that is very freeing because so many people, for instance, are caught in a situation where they feel maybe they have wronged someone and that person won't forgive them. Or maybe someone has wronged them and they won't take responsibility and then people are left in these internal knots. And that those are exactly the kinds of situations that the inner coming to peace process um, can help with um, by you basically what you do is you break down the points of conflict within the self into an understanding that these are actually parts of the self that have a relationship to one another. And then you can do the conflict mediation process with those parts. And it, it, it's, again, simple yet profound. And um, so if someone finds themselves in a conflict that they just can't resolve, I recommend they can read the, the book, uh, Coming to Peace, and, and work with uh, some of the methods that are presented there to help resolve their internal conflicts that was beautiful now i i know i said last question <laughs> but i had another question which is like so what is next for you do you you know when you come up with these you have these amazing transformative books and this body of work and everything that you're teaching and your own methods and um, does this just come to you? Do you have like stuff on the calendar? Like, okay, this is going to be next. Or is it just kind of it unfolds organically? Is there something we should be looking out for? Like, is there a next new big thing you're working on? Well, you know, I, I, you know, my problem is that I have everything happening all at once. And then I have to kind of get it 
into linear time. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's <was> very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but there is so much happening. You just cannot imagine. Like we have, um, we have had this amazing blossoming in our teaching um, with COVID. Uh, you know, strangely enough, because we've had to move all of our classes online, which is something that I had actually been resisting doing because I was concerned about the quality of the transmission of the material. But as it turns out, the quality of the transmission, we have to do certain things to maintain that quality, but it is maintained online. And so we have so many students coming in to our programs that are interested in learning more about applied shamanism, more, you know, they, they want to actually become depth hypnosis practitioners, become applied shamanic practitioners. They want to understand Buddhist psychology from a new point of view. And of course, energy medicine is at the heart of all of our work. We haven't talked about that too much, but it is something that is very, very important right now to understand. And a lot of people are being drawn into that, mainly because of their encounters with plant medicine. And of course, we, we have a whole program on a certificate in plant medicine to help people understand their own experience and to help other people understand their experience. So we have all of this online now, and we just like, I mean, it, it's like we just watch the registrations come in. It's like, it's, it's, uh, I'm so glad that we have the amazing team that we have. We just have the most wonderful people working here at the Sacred Stream that work so hard and so diligently and have really been challenged in the last year to keep up with all the changes. So we've had to put in lots of changes and new structures. But in terms, and so that's happening and I've had to revamp all of the, every single class has to get revamped, taken apart, put back together to be online. And that's about 40 classes, so that's a lot. Um, and but but the big thing that I'm really I mean I'm excited about it all but I do have three more books that I really want to have published and they are written and I just have to wait for the editors to to finish editing them and you know they have to go through that public that linear publication process you know that you know that thing that makes things actually manifest right <laughs> so, <laughs> So I have a book on depth hypnosis coming out, hopefully by the end of the year. It's a sort of encyclopedic volume about the nature of depth hypnosis. And then I have another another encyclopedic volume on applied shamanism. And then I have a less encyclopedic book on Tara, who is the uh, goddess of compassion and in action. Um, and she has many different facets in, in Buddhist uh, philosophy, but it, it's really bringing forward the power of the great feminine um, from Buddhist philosophy and applying it um, in, in such a way as to help modern people begin to align themselves with Buddhist principles, but in a modern kind of way and in a way that helps them apply those principles to their everyday life in a non-dogmatic way. So that's what we have coming up. You know? That's just that, that's for tomorrow. That is amazing. Now, I just... 
Yeah, I am just, again, I'm so honored to have had your time. And um, I look forward. I may even be taking a class or two at some point. It all just sounds so amazing. And I cannot thank you enough for the work you're doing and the insights and the light um, you are. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sue. And thank you for doing this wonderful podcast. This is just such a, you know, it's so nice for people to be able to find out. I, I was very fascinated with the people that were that you've talked about. And it's so nice to get to know them and to, you know, learn more about what everyone is doing. I think, you know, you're making such a wonderful contribution and, and helping highlight all of the positive activities that other people are doing. And, you know, that becomes your own service and your own contribution to the world. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. You have been so wonderful. I cannot thank you enough. Oh, well, thank you. And look forward to speaking with you again soon. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you.